All right, Lindsay, thank you. That is a strange name of a town and sounds like a place in Tennessee or something. Um, so got this interesting story from the book of Acts and it's very small in scale. We're going to get to all of that in just a moment, but I want to take a minute and talk about this Ethiopian eunuch and what we can learn from his station and his role in this story. Um, the Ethiopian eunuch is an interesting contradiction. On the one hand, he's a eunuch, and without getting into too much graphic detail about what that would entail, it's important to understand that to the Jewish and Roman cultures of the day, this would have been a mark against his masculinity, if anybody had known it. And we don't know whether or not it was something that he would have made public or not, but it's something that he knew about himself. And so it's, it's this mark against his masculinity. And in those cultures, it was a mark of shame. So that's something that he's carrying with him. On top of that, he is a foreigner on the way home from a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Uh, so he's not even part of the culture that he's gone to visit. And that would have been obvious. So he's marginalized twice, once because he's a eunuch and the second time because he is a foreigner in a foreign land. And yet, he's also apparently a person of wealth, education, and power. He's part of the queen's court. He's a treasurer. He owns a chariot, which means he also owns an animal. And he's in possession of and reading from a scroll of Isaiah. Uh, so that wouldn't have been common for many people to just have. It, it wasn't like you have a Kindle with all these books on it. I mean, to have a scroll of Isaiah, a complete scroll of Isaiah, would have been rare to have simply because of of what it would take to get one, but also it means that he can read a language that presumably isn't his native tongue, and he can afford to own this scroll. Uh, and that trip, by the way, is 2,600 miles one way. So he also had the leisure time, as it were, to make a religious pilgrimage. Uh, so the point of this is that despite his apparent privilege and wealth, he's still an outcast. He still has something in his identity uh, that he struggles with. Even though he seems well-to-do, he's still no less in need of the good news that Philip has to bring him. Now, throughout Luke's writing in the book of Acts and in his gospel, you see that Luke in particular has this, he keys in on Jesus's care for the poor, the marginalized, the outcast, those who are outsiders of society. But as we see in this passage, those words can describe people from any station of life, no matter how apparent their need is. Just because somebody is rich, powerful, influential, educated, does not mean that they're not suffering or struggling with something inside and feeling like an outsider uh, unto themselves in need of good news. So when I read this, I'm challenged to recognize that not every need is apparent. Not everybody who's an outcast is necessarily outwardly downtrodden and that not all poverty is material. Not all marginalization is readily apparent just by looking at someone's uh, outward appearance. The gospel, the good news, is for everyone, and it speaks to a need that transcends all of our earthly needs, regardless of our social standing or our material wealth. And this is where this Ethiopian finds himself on the road uh, from Jerusalem back home to Ethiopia. And so Philip, 
seeing this man reading from the scroll of Isaiah, asked him, hey, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading there? And the, res the response, I think, is, is amazing, and it's sort of challenging. And the Ethiopian says, how can I possibly understand this unless someone guides me? And Philip looks at where he's reading. He sees it's from uh, what we would now know as Isaiah 53. Uh, they didn't have the numbers in the, in the scrolls, but that's what we know about it now. And he immediately jumps into this, and he's able to connect all these dots back to Jesus. A few weeks ago, Derek talked about the idea of a concept album. And basically, it's, a, it's an album where the music and the lyrical themes all sort of tell a story or they tie together uh, to a particular theme. And if you take Pink Floyd's The Wall, for example, and you just drop in at track six, it might be a good song. Probably is. It's Pink Floyd, so it's going to be pretty awesome anyway. But without hearing tracks one through five, you're sort of left. It, it doesn't really tell you everything you need to know. And so you have to understand that song as it relates to the entire body of work. And so that's sort of what Philip has done here. He sees that he's on track six. He's like, well, let me tell you about tracks one through five. And let me tell you where this fits in the, in the grander narrative of this whole story about Jesus. Or to tie it back to the opening question, he's basically given this Ethiopian eunuch the primer of the first six seasons. And he's telling him, he's helping him understand uh, everything that's led up to this episode that he's on. It's like he's almost got a pirated copy of season four of Game of Thrones, but he hasn't been able to watch the first three seasons. So Philip's saying, well, let me tell you all about it. Uh, and he gives him the backstory. It's someone who has the knowledge, who takes the time to share the knowledge with someone else. It's one person guiding another, one person accepting the guidance of another. Now, this passage is an oddity in the book of Acts. Unlike a lot of the other stories that we've read so far in this lectionary series in the book of Acts, it's a moment just between two people, and there's almost no fanfare surrounding the story. Uh, there's not a grand speech. There's no miracle. The Holy Spirit doesn't descend. Uh, by this time, we've read that Peter has given sermons. John has given sermons. They've been imprisoned, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people have come to Christ because of these outward proclamations and these miracles that they've seen. And it begs the question, why did Luke include this story? It's unremarkable as an event. It's basically just Philip meeting a guy on the side of the road, reading some scripture, and they have a conversation. It's like if you pull off the highway into a rest stop and you see one other person there uh, reading the Bible on the hood of their car, and he he takes this moment uh, to, to share it with him. And I think that's the point of why Luke includes this story. Because ultimately, as amazing as some of those stories are in the book of Acts, they're a little inaccessible. Not many of us are going to be hauled in by Inquisition to answer for our faith to a group of religious elite. Not many of us are going to be invited into the home of a Roman soldier and see the Holy Spirit descend while his entire family is converted. Not many of us will preach a sermon that brings thousands of people to Christ. But all of us will encounter somebody who needs guidance. And all of us will encounter 
somebody who can guide us. And those interactions, those small intimate moments are no less important because of their smaller scope. All of us have experiences that shape us, things that make us uniquely who we are, and we have no idea what those experiences can mean to others or how what we know about Jesus might be the thing that opens the eyes of somebody to who he is. C.S. Lewis talks about the importance of friendships and relationships by saying that friendship is not a reward for our discrimination and good taste in finding one another out. Friendship is the instrument by which God reveals to each the beauty of all the others. And what he's saying is that we don't have friendships and relationships to show how good and awesome we are and how elite we can be in finding people who are like us. We have friendships because it's God's way of showing the beauty of everybody's perspectives to everybody else and what we can learn from one another and what other people can teach us. Philip isn't a priest. He's not what we would call clergy. He's simply a man who knows the scriptures and who's had an experience with the risen Jesus. And he takes the opportunity to share that with somebody who needs to hear it. And this isn't a task that's reserved for the religious elite or for people who are pastors of churches or for people who have uh, giant platforms as influencers. This is a task for all of us, and it's a need for all of us. And we should be seeking those opportunities out in our own lives because we simply never know who might need to hear the good news as we tell it. And I'm not saying that we need to convince everybody to join our church or uh, you, know, you need to become a Christian right now. Um, that's between them and Jesus, ultimately. Evangelism isn't grabbing somebody by the shirt collar and telling them where they're going to go if they don't quit what they're doing. Evangelism and sharing the good news is simply saying to someone, this Jesus means a lot to me, and you mean a lot to me, and so I want to introduce you to him. I got a, a text message from a friend of mine the other day. Uh, it was really random. It was out of the blue. And he said, hey, what's a good Bible for someone to read if they want to get started uh, in, in, in reading scripture? And so rather than going back and forth on a text message, we got on the phone and we we're talking. And it turns out one of his coworkers had really been struggling with a lot and had been asking questions about the Bible and about Jesus and turned to him for guidance. And so they committed to getting a Bible together, getting the same Bible and reading it together and exploring it and opening it up. And my friend sharing what he knows about scripture and what his experience has been with Jesus with somebody who needs guidance. And to just so you know, this isn't a pastor friend of mine. This is uh, this isn't somebody who's in ministry. It's simply somebody who cares about the gospel and cares about their friend enough to make it known to them. It's someone who's not afraid to help and not intimidated by the task of answering the question, how can I know this unless someone guides me? There are people in your life right now who need guidance. And there are people in your life right now who can offer guidance to you. And I think what Luke would want us to take from this passage, and I think why this passage is included, is because it's 
allowing us to see that as grand and big and amazing as some of these stories are in the book of Acts, it really comes down to building trust and relationships with people one-on-one and encouraging people who are a little bit further behind you in the road and seeking encouragement from people who are further ahead of you in the road and looking out for chances to build those relationships, chances to lead and be led when they arise. The greatest thing that we have as Christians is good news. And it's something that everybody needs to hear. But for some people, they're never going to know it unless someone guides them. So if you hear nothing else from this morning, I want you to hear this. You have good news. You have a story worth telling. You have an experience that's unique to you. And people around you do as well. So pay attention to that. Seek out people who need help along the road and find people who you trust to help you along the road because we're all in need of the encouragement of others and other people are in need of encouragement from us. As big and grand as the stories are in the book of Acts and throughout scripture, it's the small moments where the gospel is shared and relationships are built. Those are the ones that sustain us in between the bigger moments. So look for those, lean into them, and have trust that the Holy Spirit can and will do something with you and through you to help guide others and to help be guided by others as well. We're going to break out into our second session of breakout rooms, but before we do, I want to close this down in prayer. So uh, please pray with me. Almighty God, we thank you for this morning and for the chance to be here uh, together to worship you and to read scripture and to learn from you. Empower us in the week, in the month, in the year to come to see the opportunities that arise as we dive further into your word and into what it means to be your people, uh, to seek out people and to recognize people who might need to hear the word from us and who need the encouragement from us and help us to be humble enough to receive the guidance and help from others. Uh, unite us in our love of you despite our differences. Strengthen us uh, through each other that we might serve you better and remind us of your presence in all that we do that we might remind others of your presence through ourselves. We ask these things in your name. Amen.